Welcome, people. Let's get into another episode of Dating Sex Relationships. This is a show where we look at dating sex relationships from every perspective we can find to get at the honest truth of what it's really about and what really works. And we also focus on practical action-taking behaviors so we can give you something for you to walk away with today that can start to change your life. Before we jump in, I would like to say a quick thank you for some iTunes reviews that have come in. There's one from the UK from someone named Tip Top Liquor. It's a funny name there. He says, excellent advice. I have been listening to this podcast for a few years and overall it is excellent. There are a few topics I have not had much interest in, but more than two thirds I have listened to and it has been great guidance on my journey in life. Angel Donovan has in-depth long-term knowledge is an advocate and understanding of the history and development of seduction and associated topics and areas. He has done a great job. So thanks a lot there, uh, Tip Top Liquor. As I said, I, I love the feedback. Um, any points you can make, like here you notice there's a bit of a balance. He's like saying some of the stuff he's not that interested in. That can't please everyone, but you know I always appreciate the feedback so it helps me to do my job better. And of course, it helps to get the word out about the podcast into more people's hands and makes me feel great. So if you can take a moment out right now and give me some feedback on iTunes, like give us a rating. Let me know what you think. Let me know how I can improve this show for you so that you get more out of it every time you listen. Another quick announcement is just about our implant program. You've heard me talk about this before. It's really for people who haven't found it easy to study and get better at this. If you're someone who has like studied some of the books or products, perhaps some of the ones we've recommended Dating Skills Review, and you're not making as much progress as you want, we've designed this program to help you in those situations by taking a different approach to it through experiential learning instead of studying books and then walking away and trying to practice them yourself, or perhaps listening to a podcast and trying to go away and apply it. So you can go and check that out at datingskillsreview.com forward slash implant, I-M-P-L-A-N-T. Today's subject is what women respond to, what they are attracted to, and we look at it from different perspectives, some that we haven't looked at before, and in one person we find several perspectives. So this is something that I really like always to do. If we can put these perspectives together, we can start getting at the truth where they cross over, and where people see eye to eye tends to be areas where there's real hard truth. No confusion. So today's guest has run social experiments. She's got a female coach perspective. She comes also from a perspective of a bisexual who's also meeting and attracting women. And she's also been exposed to the whole pickup artist versus some other perspectives in her own journey. So there's a lot of gems in today's episode that you won't have heard before. Today's guest is Haley Quinn. She came highly recommended, if you remember, by Ross Jeffries, who was just on this podcast back in episode 95, and he said, I see people like Hayley Quinn, who I consider to be already at her young age, masterful. And he said also that she's a marvelous teacher. So when he gave that strong recommendation and Ross has been really around, he's met a lot of people, I decided it'd be quite a good idea to reach out and have her on the show. She teaches both men and women, so she's got that different perspective, and she's had some pretty big YouTube video hits with like dating social experiments, where she goes out and does stuff in London, where she lives in the streets, and she does experiments to see how people react. Some of these have had over 2 million views, it's not bad. She's been a featured expert for Channel 4, ITV, Sunrise on 7, 
and other TV programs that some of you will never have heard of because they're based in the UK, but they're kind of a big deal here in the UK, where I am also currently. As I said, Haley is bisexual. So she brings a perspective of a girl meeting and attracting other women, which is interesting. And she also featured in the Channel 4 documentary, By Curious Me, where, which covered the journey of some young bisexual women, including her. So I think you'll get a lot out of today's episode. It's always good to listen to a female perspective. In the past, we had a lot of guys at the kind of beginning of the podcast. Now that's evened out a lot. We've got a lot more female perspectives, which is, balances it out and gives us a complete perspective. But it's also interesting that Hayley Quinn has this kind of double perspective because she's bisexual. So she's actually involved with women herself. And I think that's great and something that we can learn a lot from. As usual, to get the show notes in a done-for-you format, the transcript, the MP3 download, and the highlights and the links to Haley and everything else we cover in the show, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast and pick out this episode there. If you want all of that in your email inbox every time we put an episode out, just go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter and pop your email in there. Now let's meet Haley. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned, chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step by step, episode by episode. Haley, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So I wanted to get a better perspective of where you're coming from. We always like to kind of get the context where people have come from. And I understand you're 28 years old and you're based in London. What kind of other details can you give us about your current lifestyle, your relationships, dating and that kind of deal? Uh, current lifestyle, or what can I say? Um, I'm so passionate about my business and my company. It basically takes over my whole life. So there is not an evening that goes by where I'm not working with a client, uh, men and women, or giving talks or appearing on some kind of media, uh, doing a broadcast about dating. I'm also writing a book at the moment about dating and love and romance. So it's constantly in my brain. I live in Shoreditch, so I am a bit of a hipster on the side, and uh, I have a part, and I have a long-term boyfriend who is a music producer and has got a, a long beard, so that just confirms the stereotype. Uh, and I'm also massively into things like yoga, meditation, green juices, and just to be weird, which is quite is quite me as well. I also love weight training, so I've been doing like lots of Olympic lifting at the moment as well. So I'm into kind of all things weird, niche, and often in direct contrast to one another. Cool. Did you get into that through CrossFit or? No, I'm actually quite afraid of going to those CrossFit boxes. (laughs) It's a bit of a cult really, isn't it? (laughs) It is a cult. There's lots of secret cults. Yoga is the same though. Right, right. It's true. For yogi, right? They'll always convince you to join their studio and meditate with them. Yeah, I love all of that stuff. So like a lot of people, I hit bottom before I got into this stuff. I was just wondering if that's something that happened to you. Like, how did you get into this? How did you get passionate about it? Did you have some kind of moment or some kind of ditch, like dark zone where you hit? Totally, but it wasn't quite like a, a conventional ditch. It was more like a revenge. Revenge is my usual reason I give for getting into the pickup industry. Um, like all good huh. stories, it starts with a boy that I was in love with about 10 years ago. 
And I'd just come to London to go to university. I was having lots of other bad, bad, general bad stuff happening in my life. Like both my parents were very ill and were struggling at uni. Went out with a guy. We were in love. We totally in love. I thought that meant commitment and monogamy. Then he went to Vegas to the uh, Porn Star Convention, the AVN Awards, uh, which is run at the same time as the Pickup Artist Convention. So he hit up both of those and uh, ended up having an orgy with three female porn stars, which he then messaged me about on AOL Messenger, which was the thing at the time. And I just thought, what is this pickup stuff that's just ruined my life? And I took at that point to kind of stalking out like gurus like Ross Jeffries or Mystery or Wayne the Juggler Elise. And I looked them up online and then I started. And it was really through, I wanted to get into the industry in order to sort of like bring it down from the inside. <laughs> is that, was that the goal? Bring, bring the whole thing down? And I'm sort of like partway on the right path to the original goal. But also, obviously, as part of engaging with the pickup world, I've also discovered there was lots of men in there doing lots of good things. And they're actually genuinely the guys that follow uh, pickup material. You know, they're not all egotistical, player, women-hating misogynists at all. Like Most of these are really decent men who just would like to have what I call like the opportunity to have a normal life and normal relationships with women. Great. So I noticed you brought up ego and egotistical is that some kind of vibe you came across why did you bring that up uh i guess you know and i say this as a i i'm hoping that i'm on the way to being a reformed egotist like when i first got into the pickup industry as well this is another funny thing that happened i when i was slash am a complete dork did not get on well at school university this is probably why i run my own business as well because i just wouldn't vibe in an office environment <laughs> i'm too feral I just found out this stuff that you could learn things that would then create a different impression on people. And I went from having a very restrictive sort of traditional upbringing in Cornwall and suddenly I went, oh, I'm bisexual. I'm down with the pickup guys. I can do whatever I want. And obviously when you say that to the universe, you just set yourself up to just have the most terrible personal disasters. And it's also something I encounter on a near daily basis when I'm either with guys that I'm working with through my membership sites and my subscription clubs or when I'm coaching people. Lots of guys get into this with the best intentions and then somehow they kind of get waylaid as they realize, oh my God, I can do all this stuff and they have access to all this stuff they never had in the past. And because of that, they kind of forget their original um, intention and go on this whirlwind adventure, which actually usually ends up leaving them in a dark place which they then have to scrabble back from and they are, and they end up back where they originally were. But I, I see this also, lots of pickup guys who are my really good friends would describe a similar journey, you know, like geeky person, no access to sexual relationships, learn some skills, crazy bonanza of taking it a bit too far, usually losing another person or having a bad personal situation as a result of that, and then kind of leveling out to some sort of more meditative, relaxed state around relationships. So I've through that myself I see it in my friends and I see it nearly every day in the people I work with yeah I've certainly seen it a lot and it happened to me also a while back so I thought it'd be interesting just to give the guys some kind of concrete examples because when we're talking about ego and these kind of intangibles it can be pretty hard for guys to see what we're talking about and what that kind of dark place would be are there any kind of signs you would pick up on say if you're coaching clients and so on that you pick up on that this ego has become a bit of an issue or it's not working out for them and it could lead to some dark place soon. Totally. As a basic thing, I always say to people before I begin working with them, I was like, what's your intention? And I tell them to remember it because that, that can shift around a lot when they're introduced this, to all this new stimulus. Just out of interest, what is the top reported first step that people want? What is that first intent? For me, people usually work with me. And I, I think this is partly because I work with women as well and because my, my brand and my position, because they actually want to have a relationship. 
That doesn't mean that they want to meet the guy with the first person ever. They usually want to date, develop some skills, overcome their fear of anxiety around meeting women, and then eventually meet a very high quality woman to have a relationship with. That's the usual thing. Where I can say you can know that it's starting to go a bit AWOL and a bit wrong is when you start, uh, I had a, a guy write to me recently and, and he said that when you start evaluating women in particular, the people you're engaging with, and you kind of lose a sense of them as people and you have more of a cyborgy perspective towards them. So you're like, it becomes all about you. Like there was this woman, she was an eight out of 10. And then I kiss closed a nine out of 10 and I've got five numbers this week and I'm going to like, it's like, what are you talking about when there's no people anymore in the stories that you're telling and you're just giving facts, numbers, digits and marks of attainment that you see in relation to yourself. At this point, I know something is going badly wrong because I would argue, why do you need five numbers? Like really, why do you need five numbers in any one given week? You don't. There's too many numbers in there for you to possibly explore and sustain any kind of connection with any of those people. Likewise, you should have other stuff in your life that's more important. You know, it's not all about how many women can I possibly have sex with in one week? That's a silly goal, like find something better to do with your time. So usually when I find that people get very numerical and they lose sight of actually how much they're gelling with the person and it becomes more about what they've said to themselves and what they've achieved for themselves and they attach numbers to things, that's when I start knowing that something, or I find anyway, that something's going a bit wrong. Yeah, some great examples there. I'm also thinking like when you get those numbers or you get those experiences and then your first thought is to run back to some kind of forum and post about it, hoping that other people are going to give you likes or whatever they give you on these forums these days. I haven't looked at them uh, for a long time. But I'm thinking of Reddit these days, I think is one of the bigger ones and some, some of the other big things. I know you get likes and all these kind of things there. So if you're thinking about the other people and how they're going to respond to you, that's probably something to do with your ego, right? Right. One of the reasons I wanted you on this show is because you combine these different perspectives that you've kind of like already given us a glimpse of. You work with both men and women, which is relatively unusual in the industry. You've worked with pickup artists and you were in a pickup artist company at the beginning and you wanted to tear down the pickup artist industry, which is a, as another perspective. And you're also bisexual. So you've got like this big mix of perspectives. I do loads of work with feminism as well. So, you know, I do lots of work in, apart from just the bisexual communities and also communities around some kinds of different ideals around different forms of relationships and sexuality. I also do loads and loads of work promoting feminist causes like I'm doing a video about consent on Friday, you know, so I really... I kind of like, not to use too much of a sexy word, but I do straddle two worlds in between the pickup world over there and feminism, which is way over the other side. And that's because I think fundamentally, like men and women should not be seen as in opposition to one another. And we shouldn't be bashing the other gender and thinking of ways to manipulate them around to whatever we want. And in fact, like men and women often want very similar things. We have generally slightly different ways of communicating. We're socialized differently. But a lot of the time, if we can unjunk stuff, and I think both dating advice for women and a lot of pickup advice for men, junk stuff up. It makes stuff like more complicated and more nebulous than it actually needs to be. So by junk stuff up, what does that mean? Is that an English term, by the way? <laughs> no, I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like you take something. Here's a good example in pickup. You take something like, I don't know, you codify everything. You give it a new language, right? So you don't call a woman a woman, you call her a target. And in fact, by adding that layer of language and terminology, of course, that is part of one of the things that creates a community like the pickup community. But to your average dude, if there is such a thing, if he then starts learning this language and assimilating it with his experiences with women, that actually 
becomes, I find at some point, a barrier to him connecting with women and actually makes meeting women harder. So for instance, if your normal guy loves his mum, would like a girlfriend, has never been really been that guy who's been that great with women, suddenly is learning uh, material which speaks of women as targets, at some point he'll feel inherently uncomfortable on some level with that, which means that when he then goes to approach and engage with women, at some level the breaks go on <laughs> internally for him and he, he'll struggle to do that. So that's a good example. I find like there's loads of little examples like that of how actually if it's like, you know what, it's actually pretty normal for people to talk to one another. You know, before Tinder, this is how babies were made. <laughs> and actually, if we show men and women how to both engage with one another respectfully and we move away from things that are overcomplicate stuff or overly jargony. I have lots of guys asking me questions like, Hayley, if I don't challenge her or if I don't do an assumption in the first interaction, does that mean I've screwed it up? Do an, do an assumption. Assumption. They feel like there's all this stuff they have to do in the first interaction. They, they have to use this portfolio of techniques. Right. I haven't heard the assumption one. Oh my gosh, there's so many assumptions. Assumptions like, hey, you seem French. You know? <laughs> oh, it's like a statement. I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I could, yeah okay. Kind of making a guess about another one. Anyway, it, or it could be challenging or teasing her or something guys that feel like there's, there's someone's got a list somewhere of all the stuff they need to do in the first interaction if they don't perform it perfectly it isn't going to work and of course that's rubbish what conversation you have depends on the two people that are involved in that conversation in the environment so i feel that there's lots of misconceptions in dating both from women's dating advice men's dating advice romantic comedies that we've that men and women have absorbed which have given them a false impression of how they have to go about meeting people and also most fundamentally, usually send a message that whoever they are today is not enough and that they need to suddenly do a whole bunch of other stuff in order to be with another person, which I find really bad and untrue. Yeah. And I noticed something you said in another interview. I was wondering about your perspective on this. What do you think about the need for experiences in life in order to have conversations? Like, is this something you talk about with your clients about what they've done in life, how much they got out of their comfort zone? I noticed that you've got out of your comfort zone. You've taking lots of left turns instead of right turns, as you said, like in one interview. Is that something you recommend of your clients? Do you think that's important? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no substitute for real life experience. And I also think usually as, as you begin down this road of personal development, you, everything you thought you had to do or the lines that you had to think you used to walk within or work within or live within just sort of suddenly start to evaporate. Um, also, what I think is far better, for instance, than being on a forum and learning a whole bunch of conversational techniques is to go out and do something rewarding with your time. Because if you're doing something you're enjoying and you're passionate about it, that then gives you something to talk about and you have experiences to draw upon. And so I'm not saying, you know, particularly when it comes to things like sexual experiences, I'm not a big believer that everybody has to, you know, go straight into a monogamous relationship straight away. You know, I think most people need to explore and find some of their parameters first. I just think there's a way that you can do that that's a bit more ethical and that's a bit more honest and less ego driven if you go about it very consciously. So, yeah, I'm all in favor of uh, usually <laughs> if, uh, if they haven't done already, I'll be telling my clients to quit their jobs, travel the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's part of the way that you create your, your more of a sense of identity for yourself. And I also think fundamentally people that have strong identity are usually very attractive. Yeah, yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. I see a kind of correlation between men who don't have a lot of life experience for whatever reason, pretty narrow, small town sometimes, sometimes it's not really their fault, you know, just born in a small town and they didn't manage to get away from it. Um, but they haven't seen as much as other people and they're concerned about things like running out of things to say. Right. And it's just because they don't have a lot of things in their life. Is that something you've seen a fair amount? 
yeah, I, I think that's a brilliant example of the correlation. And you sign it also, it's just with people that have high degrees of social anxiety. Maybe they're also very logical in terms of how they approach things. So that the whole, hey, just, you know, say something you're passionate about doesn't really connect with them. Uh, so because of that, and I do understand that in the beginning, how I like to work with people is I, I like to give them like a framework or how I like to put it is like, it's like if you're on, if you're climbing a wall, you know roughly which way to reach next in order to pull yourself onto the next bit. And usually you give people that framework to begin with. It builds their confidence. It lets them know, hey, if I go into this strange, unexplored space, I'm going to be fine. Actually, this is going to reward me. And then eventually, obviously, the idea is just like skiing or something. You learn to freestyle and you actually begin to explore that. But lots of people, as you said, just have never had that collision with those life experiences, which has opened them up to something like that. But I think if they're, but also fundamentally, if they're listening to this material, they're interested then there's something in them that's fighting to get out and go and explore the world. Absolutely. You just need to kind of let go and unleash themselves a bit more. Okay. So you mentioned you wanted to burn down the pickup artist industry. You still feel the same way today or have things changed a bit? Things have changed. I have to say there's some pickup artists out there who I owe a lot to. Andy Yosha, from De- who founded Day Game, he's been a long-term friend. He, he literally let me live with them when I had no money. So he saved my butt. And that Sasha Day Game has also... a uh, helped me out on a whole bunch of times. He's one of my closest male friends. There are loads and loads of men in pickup that are doing great things. There's like any industry, there's some people out there who just have purely commercial uh, interests. And if it's a business, everybody has to have a degree commercial interest. But there's some people out there. What I don't like is I don't like scammy marketing. I don't like playing on people's fears. I don't like telling people that there is only one way that you can do things and it's this way. And if you ignore it, you're stuffed. Because I think also people have to have a right to pick and choose what is suitable for them. And I think when we take that away from people, we just scare them and we shouldn't do that. Absolutely. The thing that kind of annoys me these days is like, obviously we've came from the game nearly 10 years, it was 10 years ago now that came out and there was all this buzz and hype and pick up artists are great. And then there was a backlash and I feel we're still there. I mean, like I listen to some podcasts and stuff and they're just like, everything in pickup is terrible. You know, they're evil pickup artists and stuff. And there's a lot of great stuff that's kind of come. There's a lot of happy guys that have maybe gone through their little dark zone, but they've come out and there's a lot of great advice and, and great things. And ultimately, a lot of pickup artists studied all sorts of things, like from all sorts of areas of life, relationship advice, all sorts of things to kind of piece that puzzle together. And some of that advice was good. So my question is for you, which parts of the pickup artist advice where you say are negative or positive? What are the kind of like most important examples that you would take? Positive wise, I think those that face in real life experience. So I think there's a lot more that you can learn by going like, even to this day, I still go out and actively do lots of in-field coaching work with people because I think there's something about if someone physically experiences something and it's banked in their memory for them that they can do something There's something that's incredibly freeing about that. I also like pick up material that says, you know what, hey, you don't need to look like Brad Pitt or Bradley Cooper or whatever brand from Hollywood you want. You can, as a person, as you are today, you can be attractive to women. Like, obviously, someone who's got good self-esteem tends to, like, make sure that, you know, they're happy in their career and their flat's tidy and they go to the gym a little bit or whatever they choose to and eat kind of healthy. But it says a really good message about, you know, what you might have considered yourself an outsider for most of your life. But, hey. Here, you're an insider. And I like that a lot. I also like people having more permission. So feeling like they're able to be authentic, being like that's okay for them to say what they have to say. Because lots of people, I think particularly in England, they feel really suffocated or that they just 
they're not allowed to say a lot of things. And so because of that, because they're constantly seeking to please somebody else, they withhold all of their best stuff and they, they prevent people from getting to see who they are as an individual. So I like all of that. What I do not like, I don't like anything that kind of takes away from, from uh, women <laughs> as, a, as awesome, independent individuals and people in their own right. So anything that lumps all women in together, like we're some herd of people that just we've tried to manipulate you guys. So now it's your turn to get your revenge. Obviously, that sucks and doesn't help anybody. Likewise, anything that is kind of overly sexual in terms of how the presentation of women, because again, I don't think that helps either. So if there's any reference to a woman as being a slut or talking about how you're getting a certain amount of notches on your bedpost, all that filters down to is if women act in a sexual and open way, they are bad, which therefore makes women ultimately be more precious around their sexuality and restrict it, which ultimately helps no one. I've heard uh, plenty. I had an argument once with um, um, some pickup guy who used the word slut in his seminar. I'm like, that is just, that just literally doesn't help anyone. Like it doesn't help men. It doesn't help women. I also have had to physically usually battle a fair amount of sexism, you know, like I, at the start of my career when I was an egomaniac and also kind of because I was the dominion of certain large pickup companies, I was presenting myself in quite a easy way. That's not really who I am. Like you could see from any YouTube video that I definitely do not seek to present myself in some sort of like, I'm a babe because I'm not <laughs> and it would be impossible to sustain. But like when I know I'm consciously trying to just be like, hey, uh, I hate, for instance, when uh, I've had encounters with certain pickup artists that have um, spoken to me differently than any of my peers because I am a woman. Or when uh, me and like other women that work in dating are always placed together because we're women. Like I find that awkward as well. And I really, really, most of all, hate things that say things like these are the three tips that you must learn to <laughs> uh, and listen to our five step. And you have to wait once you paid this extra option and then right. the extra special magic. But I mean, that's just it's yeah, it's the three tips. It's the seven tips, the nine tips. The I can't stand all of those. I, I that is the most. <laughs> I always say to people, if it's marketed that way, don't listen yeah. to it. It's going to be rubbish. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's not just pickup. I mean, it's not just dating. It's just everything on the internet these days. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And also, it, it kind of says, any woman. Like, why do you want to get any woman? You should be looking for women that you actually get on with and you think are cool. So that whole conception that dating is a numbers game or also the other pickup myth, you know, just get rejected a thousand times, <laughs> then you'll get thick skin towards it. I mean, that's horrible and just like punishing. I think that fundamentally as well that we shouldn't, tr this is why I don't do boot camps, is because if you're holding a gun to someone's head effectively and saying, hey, you have to go talk to that girl, go now, go now, go, go, go. And it's all stress, stress, stress. That's what a man will associate with this area of his life. And in fact, meeting women does not have to be this like baptism of fire because you weren't cool in school and you missed out on those things. In fact, there's a much nicer way that you can approach anything. So anything that says there's only one way that you can do it or that this will get you every woman ever or emphasizes the numbers game angle, that I will genuinely dislike. Great. One of the things I picked up in your conversation there was when you're we talking about sluts, um, you're talking about some, you know, some guys that obviously use a slut and they're looking down on women, obviously, and they're not, not treating them well. And what I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed the same thing as another kind of correlation, is that it tends to be the guys who sleep with a lot of women and have very short one night stands, kind of very superficial, who are being kind of man whoreish, if you want to put it like that, more promiscuous, who tend to use the word slut the most and tend to act this way the most and be more misogynist. 
Is that something you've seen? Because I just think it's an interesting correlation there because it's like the perfect hypocritical situation. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, um, a crossover. It's when that guy is in that ego zone, you know, where he's uh, looking to serve himself or get a certain amount. And really, ultimately, behind all of that need to go out and get a woman's approval by having sex with her or prove something to himself. There's something that's demonstrating someone who's actually very afraid on some level who, or is actually deeply insecure and yeah, they're the ones that will come out and they will say something completely uh, against women. And then you get the other load of guys who just, they are so cautious around women. because Right, the other extreme. They are, the other extreme is, I, I can't kiss her because I don't want to be a creepy guy. I'm not that guy. And so they actually retract from their sexuality. Absolutely. And what this leaves actually women thinking is literally, oh my God, the only men that exist are either guys that will approach me and be really sexy or be really strong. And then you know what? He'll be a complete dickhead and will make me <laughs> next month. Or they'll have lots of dates with normal, you know, nice conversations, but there's, they don't feel any sexual tension. And in fact, women, you know, they're pretty liberated now. I've got, I was out with a, a few of my female friends. They're all in their like 20s, good looking girls. Uh, and like one of them was joking that she's had sex once in four years. <laughs> and, and, she, and, and we were like, well, you've had your chance now. You have to wait another four years till that happens again. I've got other friends that complain about sex droughts that go on to extreme lengths to try and find a guy to have sex with. Is this for real, though? Because oh, if you look at the science surveys, I know there's a lot of difference between what women say. And I mean, even amongst groups of women, it depends how open you are. I'm sure your friends are a little bit more open than the average because you're relatively open. But you know, you get what I mean, like a lot of women say and men say to a certain degree when they're around with other guys isn't actually the truth. Yeah, no, I think my I mean, my friends, I think it candid on that front. My point is really that there are women out that lots of guys will not approach a woman because they think she looks gorgeous. She looks lovely. She she's out of my league. And I bet her six foot three toned boyfriend is just parking his Ferrari over there. Absolutely. She's not, and actually lots of the time women, are, you know, women are lonely. They actually want, they want and desire more male company and that there is a way that you don't have to be a dickhead. You don't have to be a creep and yet you can still be sexy and masculine towards a woman. And I think like for all of the guys out there who have identified themselves as the nice guy or the good guy or always the friend, I call to them that they need to represent themselves better because otherwise the impression that women have is that there are no guys out there except these guys that treat me really badly or these men that I actually don't want to engage with. So there's a, there's a misalignment there where I know that lots of women want to meet men and lots of men want to meet women, but somehow the two sides aren't coming into enough contact. It seems like we're getting more of the extremes. It's certainly with the people we coach, I, I've seen. And it's like it's mostly the people you're, you're talking about who aren't confident enough and feel that they're going to be creepy if, if they make moves and stuff. That's. I mean, I can definitely say about what guys fear feeling being creepy. And a big thing that I see a lot with guys is maybe they've grown up and because they're not the alpha dude or they don't see themselves as that bad guy way, they suddenly go, oh, they attach being sexual with a woman to being nasty towards a woman or being creepy or being disapproved of by society, not acting in line with their values. So they actually push it away and go, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that because I'm a good guy without instead recognizing there's something, there is actually a way that in fact, what is every woman's dream is to meet somebody who is sexual, who is masculine, but who is secure, who knows himself, who's honest and who's upfront with them. And also I want to emphasize that I don't necessarily think you need to have monogamous relationships with people to achieve any of those things so I don't say like 
the only way to be good to another person or have a great relationship is monogamy. Like that, that's right for lots of people, but you might be in a space in your life where you're like, Hey, I want to, I haven't had much sexual experience. There's lots of things that are transitory in my life. I just want to have experiences. And if that's you, that's fine. But there is a way that you do that, which is, which is ethical and positive and in a way that connects with women who are also in the same headspace. So I also like to encourage people to escape the idea that all women want, we're just running around with big nets looking for sperm donors. Yeah, it's a middle ground. Most women aren't either. They're not a slut. They're not, you know, they're actually waiting for guys. And you did a social experiment, I know, in London where you were trying to get approached by guys. How did that go? Uh, yeah, I didn't really get I, I I mean, by saying trying to get approached, I was like an approached I could make myself as approachable as possible. I had a map that I was waving around, looking completely lost. Um, I also tried, uh, I always had a little mini suitcase with me as a prop. And I tried three different outfits. So I had one of me, which was my, just to use that word again, slutty outfit, which is like thigh high boots and like a, a spandexy dress. And then I had me dressed kind of normally and then me in sweatpants and hoodie. And I wanted to see how people's reactions changed towards me. And I sat right in the middle of the city. So a very male, heavy male population there on the lunch break. And you know what? I had to work really, really, really hard. And I had maybe over a whole afternoon, like a handful, maybe three guys approach me and said, do you need help with directions? They gave me the directions and they all left. Nobody asked for my number. And even more surprisingly, nobody even asked for my name. And I think this is what I call England's need for privacy gone mad. (laughs) So just for people at home, of if you're not in the UK, the city is basically Wall Street, that, that kind of area. So there's investment bankers, people you normally associate with being more alpha, stronger, you know, more driven and so on. They're the worst because if you're out in like, I know from taking my female clients to the city, all these Wall Street areas, because the men are so conscious of what the other men around them in their social group are judging them as, they are even less likely to say hello to you. So forget it. That's interesting. Yeah, but I also thought what was interesting is I have a belief that, particularly in England, but I also think in a lot of Western or sort of Northern European uh, societies, we have this fundamental respect for other people's personal space and privacy. We go, oh, no, no, I can't approach because I'm interrupting them. Or I'm not going to approach her because I'm intruding. If she wanted to sit with someone, she would already be sitting with someone. And like, oh, they're crying. I'm not going to comfort them. I'm going to leave them to deal with it by themselves. Like this is a real, real English mindset towards things. And I think this is literally the antithesis of romance and like why we have Tinder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Would you say it's different? I mean, I know you spent a little bit of time in the US. I don't know how much time that was, but have you seen a contrast between London, UK? Because it's known for being pretty conservative here. Yeah, I mean, it turns out my career working um, in New York, I wasn't there for very long, but I definitely was hit on more in New York. I can say that like people would, you know, just in a coffee shop, people would start chatting to you, not in a in a very aggressive way, but definitely in a way that made me notice them more. Whenever I'm on the West Coast, again, I tend to find, and this could be just my experiences when you're a foreign person in a foreign country, you're more open and you're kind of looking around. But generally, people seem fractionally less inhibited. Uh, I find England really bad. Uh, also in other Northern European, Germany, Scandinavia to an extent, uh, Holland, Australia, you know, these are the countries that I'll often find coming up and there's things like our gender roles are less well-defined. So you know, in Southern European countries or Eastern European countries, it's more like men are men and women are women. And so they don't seem to have that same need that we do. And I think particularly in, uh, in places like England and Northern Europe, we have such respect for people's privacy that we just leave them alone. And 
guys will not approach women, and this shocks women when I tell them this. I was like, if you've got your headphones in, if you're scrolling through Twitter, oh no. Yeah. To a woman, she's just, you know, because we're bored all the time because we live in like 2015 that we can't just sit there like a potato staring into space and constantly doing stuff. But that constant doing. You have to have your head up, looking around, smiling. Looking yeah. like you're doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> so he has no excuse. Which doesn't happen today at all. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So I find it really interesting how many of these little things, like the fact that we're constant, our attention is constantly occupied by something, how we're communicating more online, so not going out enough, how we've, uh, we're hiding behind dating apps, how we have this. Also things like misconstrued, I, I, in my opinion, or some schools of feminism, and then also the backlash against the pickup world. All of this is that. And also male and female roles shifting around. Uh, and us generally just being super over busy in places like London. This all equals men and women not meeting each other in a romantic way very much. Yeah. The point of the mo- just being people being busy with mobile phones, that's just got worse and worse and worse. People are always playing. They've got so many apps now. And it's an excellent point. We haven't really brought it up on this show, which is surprising because I know that that's not one of the main excuses guys always come up with. When I was coaching, guys would be like, oh, no, she's on the phone. She's got her headphones on. Exactly these examples you give. And now they're just playing with their phones all the time. And the guy's like, no, she's busy. She's texting her friends, right? I imagine. Right. Right. Um, right. So to start, what I teach, I have to say this. When I teach a guy, that like, look, if that's your excuse, on one good side, you've observed something about her that she's doing. So we can use this as conversational material you to begin the interaction. Uh, I tell guys, say, hey, pause, and then I know. Like, hey, I know I'm, I'm gatecrashing, or I know you're right in the middle of reading that book, or hey, I know that you're typing furiously, but I just wanted to say. So the second that you, all that you have to do for any guy out there who's holding back approaching the woman that he would actually like to approach because he believes that she is already occupied, just acknowledge it at the start of the interaction. Get it out of the way so that she knows that you're socially aware of what's going on, and then she'll chill out. And then you can actually use that as a meet. That's a conversational building block that you're just like uh, that you're using uh, as a means that, that is actually just absolutely. Yeah, she just needs that excuse to keep talking. <laughs> okay, so in terms of uh, your the bisexual life, I mean, maybe you want to do a quick intro on that just to give a bit of context for guys. What did you learn about women approaching women? and sexuality and things like that because that's kind of interesting in itself it is it's been a really interesting experience i said i mean i was always attracted to women and i think that i uh buried it down for ages because i thought i'm not i knew i wasn't gay though and i tried going to lesbian bars in london and so how i just, just didn't fit in and so i thought right well that's it then i'm never gonna have that experience and actually it was my collision with the pickup community which said actually you know what you can approach people and you can kind of say what you want to them to an extent uh that gave me that ability to go out there and uh, meet women and so and subsequently and, and maybe this is just something about me but i've always felt I felt initially actually more comfortable approaching women than I did approaching men. Like that actually took longer for me to get over in my mind. So I've done lots of inadvertent practice, meeting women in the streets, bars, clubs, waitresses. And I've had like the most amazing Tinder even. I've had the most amazing experiences. And I've always retained seeing women. I'm like lucky I have an understanding partner like who's down with that because people have different parameters around bisexuality. So I still, to this day, you know, date women, flirt with women. And it's given me a great insight into actually how I think within all of us, we have the masculine and the feminine. And it's about operating between those two different spaces in relation to someone else that really makes things sexy and attractive. So I think 
for women to be able to work in that space where they're assertive or sexual or strong or commanding can be really interesting, just as much as it can be interesting for a man to be vulnerable or to be a great communicator, to tell lots of stories and to be emotive. I assume you know David Dieta's work yes. and the masculine and, and feminine polarity. Do you find it the, the more extreme people are like, say you were very strong feminine, right? Are you seeking a partner, even if it's a girl or a guy? a more masculine side and a more extreme one, the more extreme you are on that side of the equation. Yeah, I find anecdotally anyway, I think people look for that balance intuitively. So I always like androgynous women and sort of feminine men. Like typically that's who I will partner up with, which is why like I want to tell guys to stop always needing to be super alpha, you know, be yourself, like be whoever you are like on that, on that spectrum. Because you do not need to be a chest beating alpha male to be sexy and hot to women like Sometimes I'll meet a chest beating alpha male who'll be very sexy and very direct towards me. And for a moment, I'll be like, oh, he's so, ooh. And I like my eyes will start to spin in my head. But then after usually chatting to him for five minutes, by this point, I'm usually arguing with him. It's not a good vibe. And I think that's something that's personal to each and every person. So I would say as well to everyone, you do not need to mimic anybody else or try and be like a cookie cutter image of what, you know, of sexuality. You don't need to be super feminine. You don't need to be super masculine. You need to find where on the spectrum you are, get really good at communicating and also give yourself permission to kind of like move around a bit on that spectrum. There'll be some days where you might feel really assertive and very masculine, other days where you might feel actually more vulnerable and feminine. And that's not a negative. That's just a different aspect of you. And I find that through dating women, being in lesbian relationships, that's taught me a lot actually about the different polarities that you can work within. Great. Thank you. That Okay. I know we're pushing time right now. So the last question we always ask everyone is what would be your top three takeaways to guys who are just starting out in this, like the most important things they should get right to improve this aspect of their life as fast as possible. Okay. Uh, one, I'm going to say again, real life practice. They say an ounce of practice is worth a ton of theory. There's some saying like that. And it's absolutely true. Do get off the forums get out there in real life. So the first thing you usually need to do is just create time. It's like going to the gym. Like you can't get ripped unless you dedicate a certain amount of hours to doing something. And in the beginning, right at the beginning, you might not feel like approaching a woman yet. Like that might be outside of your comfort zone. But you know what? If you start exiting your house (laughs) more and you are in public spaces on a Saturday afternoon, you take your laptop and you work from a coffee shop or you take up a new hobby or interest, This is already good because it's signaling some change to you and it's creating the space and the room in your life to actually meet people and get you comfortable in different environments. Uh, Secondly, do not get too far ahead of yourself. If you are just starting, do not read sexual technique books or (laughs) when you get her back to your house because that is just overloading you and you'll just feel like, whoa, this is too much. Instead, just keep it simple and focus on the most basic thing. Like Before you even try and have a brilliant thing to say in the beginning. I always say to guys, just learn how to say, hey, I just want to say you look really nice. Have a good day. Bye. That's it. Because you have to get over the hurdle of actually putting one foot in front of the other. And the the smaller hurdle you make it, then after you've got used to it, after you're going, oh, hey, I can do this really easily. And she's smiling and she's loving it. And this is great. Then you can refine things. Third point, I always teach the rule of birds, which is like lots of times when um, this is a real sign that guys read too much pickup stuff as well. When guys are assessing an interaction after they've left it, they'll always be thinking, what could I have done? What did I need to do then in order to like make her like me or get her number? And you know what? That implies that all situations are somehow winnable and all the responsibility is yours. And it's like a game that you play. And if you get all the steps right, 
you win the prize at the end, which is which is the woman or the woman's phone number or whatever it might be. Instead, I think in life, basically, you have to, you get your third. And your third, you can do a lot with that. You can work on yourself. You can improve yourself. You can improve your mindset, put you in much better circumstances to meet people, get really in control of your social skills, really know yourself, lead an interesting life, put yourself out there. You can do loads. However, you cannot account for her third. She probably led 25, 30, 20, how many years of her life before she met you that day. And that is going to influence her perspective and how she relates to you far more than your influence that you can play within five minutes. So not all situations are winnable and you should get out of that winnable mindset. You're not looking to win them all. You're looking to actually connect to people. And you know what? It's like your class at school. Some people you're going to get on well with, some people you're going to hate, or some people you're going to be indifferent to. And that's just life. Uh, and the other third is sometimes stuff happens uh, that is without our, that is beyond our control. You know, I think a lot of things are within our control more than we think, but there are overarching things in our lives which sometimes happen. And sometimes you just got to, my friend calls it life tax. Sometimes you have to go there and go, you know what? This is not going my way and I'm not going to push it anymore. That's fine. So whenever you're in that kind of life tax scenario, what you really need to do is you need to accept at what point your responsibility ends and you can't be responsible for everything. And part of actually being great with meeting women is getting to a bit of a point of acceptance as well. Where you go, you know what? I accept who I am, what I am, where I am. And I, I feel like I've done my bit well. I've played my hand well. And everything else that happens, you know what? I'm not in control of everything because I am not God. <laughs> and sometimes I find that's a healthier way to rationalize situation so just to summarize real life practice and opportunity is always best it's always going to be superior uh, don't get too far ahead of yourself so stick on the first step to emphasize actually getting out there and, and meeting people and then refine things after that uh, remember your original goal and also remember where it's sensible to take responsibility and where it's sensible just to accept where you are and that will court because your whole goal is to be as chilled and in the best possible emotional space. And when you're in that space, you meet more people and it will enable you to continue and to improve. Thank you, Haley. Some great points there to take away for the guys. If someone wants to connect with you, learn more about what you're up to, where should they go? How should they connect with you? They can go to, this is the egotistical bit, HaleyQuinn.com. If they also go to HaleyQuinn.com forward slash club, C-L-U-B, um, I have a free 30-day access link there to my members clubs. Um, I have members clubs, for, one for men, one for women. Uh, don't sneak onto the one that isn't for your <laughs> That's interesting. I guess you get a few people to do that. <laughs> yeah, I bet they do. Uh, on there is basically every video product I ever made. So I don't sell video series for hundreds of thousands of millions of pounds. Uh, in fact, you can watch them all for free for 30 days and then run away and never pay me anything. So if you want, if you want to do that, you can. Inside there's also inside my members clubs, there's also forums where I go on every other day and answer guys' questions personally as well. And I run a monthly webinar. Aside from that, I also do do some coaching a little bit, but uh, that's an application process. So they can find out about that on my site. And also check out my YouTube. It's rocking at the moment. Particularly if you've disliked me during this interview and you want to make me sit, want to watch me make a big fool out of myself and appear in several ridiculous outfits and then read all the evil YouTube comments people have left for me. Uh, if you go, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw some of those. I also saw a video called "What to Do After She Gives You a Blowjob." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which which I bet is going to get some, some hits in in the coming months. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, if you go to just just Google Haley Quinn and I'll, I'll pop right up. So definitely check out my social experiment videos as well. All right, thank you, Haley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've genuinely really really enjoyed it. 
take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.